I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Okay, we're getting closer, folks. Yeah, just closer to being able to make your announcement. No, election has not taken place. You have not even gotten on the playing field yet. However, you're getting very, very close. What have we done? We know already that you got to start months before the nominating process. I, you know, around March, February, March, because the nominating process will probably be in June or July. But they're going to know that they're going to know the identity of the candidates by March or so of the following year. So you got to start in March of 2021 in order to be ready for 2022. So you know, you learned that. You learned about the five different types of people that you're going to be looking for as you're working your way through the process. You learned about identifying a position. What are you going to run for? You learned about that. You learned about doing research of your opponent. Hopefully it's an open seat, but if it's not, their voting record of the incumbent. You learn, you're learning about clearing the fields because you don't want a primary. You're learning about whether or not the person who ran before is going to run again. You're doing all that basic, basic research. You're talking to the political leaders. You may be a member of the town committee because the town committee, as we talked about before, if you're running for city council, they are the people who are going to make this election. They are the political people. You're running for state office, then it's still the town committee people because the town committee has people that work within the state committee. So we talked about all of that. We talked about how to avoid a primary by making sure you lock up the delegates or the people who are representing that state representative district or state senate district. Then at the end, we talked about canvassing, going around, going around the community and just talking to people, getting their concerns. But now the new material. You also need to plug in many of your nonprofit type activities that you've been doing. As I said before, I was on the board of directors of the Boys Club, the YMCA, American Red Corps. So you have started to develop relationships with the other board members just by your being there. And so you're talking to them and saying, you know, I'm thinking about running for, for office. Now, why are you going to put all of these fillers out there? There's a number of reasons, but the one we would like to focus on tonight or today would be for fundraising purposes. So we're gonna start to turn a little bit toward you're raising some money so that when you make your announcement, you actually can start promoting yourself. Can't do it without money. And so let's get that somewhat in order now before you make the announcement. Because let's say you're running for Congress, every quarter you have to give a report of how much money you raised. So if you start the day in which you're getting ready to announce, it's gonna be a lot more difficult for you to raise the money within that three month period of time to show a decent amount raised. While if you start it four or five months even before then, then you would have seven months to raise money and obviously you could raise more money in seven months than you can in three months. So that's why you want to get a lot of your preliminary work, the 
foundation done on fundraising before you even announce. And the people that you know are the people that can help you. So as you're canvassing around, you're going to find that some people really like the fact that you're doing this and that they may want to help. And you may ask for their help if you decide, if you decide to run for office and you write down their name. Your people that you're serving on, on nonprofit boards, you start to see if they have interest in helping you write down their names. Every city has groups within groups. They have community clubs within, within the community. You start to go to those meetings and you listen to what problems and concerns the community has. And you start to get to know the leaders of each one of those communities. You're not saying you're running for anything. You're saying you're, you're looking at getting more involved. You're going to meetings of the Board of Aldermen on a regular basis, so you can see what they're debating. You can see what issues are hot. You can see what your future opponent is actually doing, live and in person. You're looking for team leaders. You're looking for people within the community who know other people in the community and have influence in the community, and you wanna to get to know them well. So for that period of March of 21, through the entire year of 21, you're meeting a lot of folks. You're making a lot of friendships. And you're also meeting people who really don't like you too. And that's fine as well. Because you didn't give them a reason why not to like you. But, you know, so what? They don't like you? Just make sure you don't go in their circles again. Or make sure that when you do see them, don't let them poison the well as far as causing other people to think negatively of you for one reason or another. Then the next very important aspect of running for office is to understand that you are not running as an isolated person, as the only one running for office. You are running as a team. And this is where we haven't talked about which party you're going to join. Once again, we're going to get to that in another another episode. But regardless of the party, you running you're running as a team. So if you're running for city council, the leader of your team, the person whose first whose name will show up first on the ballot, it's going to be the mayor. And so when you're out campaigning, this is after you announce your candidacy and you're running. But you should understand this before you even get into the arena is that you're going to have to be somewhat supportive. I say somewhat supportive of the guy who was at the top of the ticket. So if you're running for city council, the guy running for mayor, you're going to have to understand what he's done because you're going to have to defend him in some circles. You're going to, people are going to say, oh, so you're running as a Republican? Oh, dude, so-and-so's mayor. He, no, I don't, I don't like him. He doesn't so, so you got to be able to say something because bottom line, some people are going to say, if, if you're running with that guy, I'm not voting for you. And you don't want that to happen because the guy at the top of the ticket may lose, but you don't want to lose. So you have to be able to be supportive but not carry his water. And that's a delicate balance. And it happens on every level. You're running for state, state representative or state senator, the same thing. The governor is going to be the person running at the top of the ticket. The governor is going to have a platform that he's going to be running on and you're going to be asked, do you support the governor's positions on such and such? When you get in office, are you going to support the governor's proposal when he's governor to, to, to move and promote X, Y, Z? 
Got to understand that. If you're not, then give your reasons why you're not. A lot of people understand the two-party system where the person, the, the party that's in control, they have the keys. Yeah, that, that, that's literal. I mean, that's a literal statement. They have the keys. As you know, your sister worked for, for, for the speaker's office. They literally had the keys. They can open the building. They can lock the building. They have the keys. <laughs> and so it's the same thing at every level. When you're in a majority, you determine what people talk about because you write the agenda. So that is the one reason why you want to be associated with the top of the ticket, because then people know that the agenda of the mayor is something that he will get through with your support. You can't do it alone. He's the executive branch, you're the legislative branch, but people are going to, going to be looking to see if you're going to be supporting the people at the top of the ticket. That's what would make it hard for some Republicans who are running for office now, because the top of the top of the ticket in the presidential election is the president. And, and some people, depending on the state, if you're in Arkansas, if you're in um, certain states in the country, maybe Kentucky, you know, it's, it's not it's not hard. You support you're a Republican, you support Trump, you, you automatically got people support. You don't say anything else in some instances. It's that cut and dry. But if you're swimming upstream, let's say you're you're saying you're a Trump supporter in a state like Connecticut. It could be, um, you know, it could be interesting. Now, I'm not saying you run away from President Trump. You, that, that That's dangerous as well because you have a core group of people who want to see the Republican agenda, the entire Republican agenda of less taxation and uh, more free markets, strong national defense, a pro-life agenda. They would like to see that promoted. Then... You know, you, you, you um, want to march forward together. So you have to, you have to understand that you are running as a ticket. One of my biggest claims that I made in 1992, and I said this in the Black Caucus meeting with Hillary Clinton present. I said to her in my first introduction to her that she was commending all the members of the Black Caucus for their hard work in getting her husband elected in 1992, and. Then she smiled and she looked at me and said, I know you didn't help. And I said, you're absolutely right, Ms. Clinton, because my district in the 5th Congressional District in Connecticut was George Bush's best district in all of New England. He won the 5th District in Connecticut. And she said, I know that. I know that. And she started laughing. So I ran with George W. George H.W. Bush and supported him in every single one of the functions I went to. Other people said, well, you know, I didn't do that. And and that's a person's prerogative. I'm not knocking anyone who, who, who strayed somewhat. But what I am stressing to you is that you have to evaluate um, how close you run with the top of the ticket because of the fact that there's the knife cuts both ways. It cuts both ways. So the main thing is be yourself. Now, some people... They do it the, 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 uh, by the numbers. They would do a poll and see how popular, let's say, George H.W. Bush would be in my district. If he's not doing well in my district, then I'm going to run away from him. If he's doing well in my district, I want to hug him. So some people do that, and there's nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that as well. Um, just put Trump's name in there instead of uh, George H.W. Bush. You can do that. But uh, you know, keep in mind, it's, it's best to be uh, true to yourself and, 
and actually uh, tell people what, what you feel from your heart. And they can see that and they respect that, even if they may disagree. What's the best way to get people to contribute to your campaign? Okay, the campaign fundraising is a very difficult part of one's campaign. And we're going to spend probably an entire class or entire episode on, on that topic. But when you're running for city council, when you're just getting started, the best way to raise money would be through people. Now, that sounds kind of trite. But no, when you make all of these contacts with these individuals, you're not going to be... Um, fortunate enough to bump into uh, uh, somebody by the name of Rockefeller or in someone by the name of Gates and someone by the name of Jeff Bezos in your district where they can just, you know, help you out tremendously. Uh, even, well, I shouldn't say that because every campaign has limits. You can't make a contribution of a zillion dollars for anyone's campaign. So you gotta, but you gotta work through people. In other words, Almost in the same way in which you've organized to, to get people for a crowd that we talked about um, in the last episode, it builds the same way. So in other words, you try to get 10, 15, 20, 25 people, it could be as small as 10, to be on your finance committee. And, and these individuals, when I started out, Gary, uh, the people who were on my finance committee, I was very close to them throughout my tenure in Congress. And you should be. They are the ones that uh, really give you the fuel you need to be able to get your message out. I did not just call them for money or call them for fundraising per doing an event. I called them just to talk to them. They get their advice on issues. And we had a friendship digressing for a second and i i remember george hw bush president bush telling me that when people take the time to do something extraordinary for you that you should take out or have some personal stationery and handwrite a thank you note to that person he said that was the secret to his success in politics now here i am sitting in the back of the president's the president's limousine as we're driving to an event in Waterbury from the Oxford, Connecticut airport. Losing in the campaign, not many people giving me a chance to win. And he said this to me, he said, you know, Gary, if you don't, even if you don't win this election, keep this in mind, do this. And he also said another statement, which right, I'm gonna to try to clean up a little bit, but he said, do not treat your fundraising committee like horse. And I just looked at him like, well, what? and he said, let me explain to you. He said, some people call people just for money. They give their contribution. That's it. Make sure you develop a relationship with them. No one likes to be called just for money all the time. Eventually, they're not going to answer the phone. So how do you fundraise? You start with a small number of people. And what I did was I would call them. I called them and I said, hey, I'd like to, I like to come by and, and see you. And I had one-on-one -on -one meetings with folks and I asked them to be on my finance committee. 
And then they would say, well, what the hell is a finance What do I have to do? And I would say, now, obviously, it depends on the race that you're running. But when you're getting started, it's going to be a small amount of money. So you say to them, what I'd like for you to do is to be able to raise $5,000. And they're going to say, oh, wow, I want $5,000. No, I said raise $5,000 over the next nine months. And you know, any way you want to do it, you can... I come into your house, do do a coffee. We can do several meetings, or, or I can you can introduce me to John Smith, and I can talk to him myself one on one. So you give them a target, and maybe not five thousand. It could be anything. It could be two thousand dollars, and then you get ten people or twenty people to do that. All of a sudden, you've only had 10, 20 conversations, and yet you may have raised hundred thousand dollars. Because those 20 people will go out and raise $5,000 a piece. And you don't have to, you're, you've taken care of a, a chunk of your fundraising effort. So you do it through people. That is why it's so important to develop the relationships with, with folks. And when you're not asking them for a whole lot, so you ask someone to do 5000 if he or she's able to do 500 him or herself over nine months, which is less than hundred dollars a month. And he could find, or she could find, you know, just 10 other people or nine other people to do the same thing. That's it. You got it. So it's not, it's not a real big lift. And then once you've met the person who just did $500, I would give that person a call. Let's say the person did 500 his or herself or a thousand dollars. I would call that person. I would have a sit down with her or him and say, wow, that was really beyond the call of duty. We're only looking for a couple hundred dollars. You did 500 or did thousand. Would you like to be on my finance committee? And that's how you grow the finance committee from your original 10 to potentially 25, 30. The more people you have in your finance committee, obviously it makes your fundraising easier. However, you recognize the fact that the 10 people that you started with are special. That's very important. So you make them part of your executive finance committee, or you give them a new title that would separate them from all others who would come after them because they should be treated in a special type manner because they would have said yes when you weren't even a candidate, when you were just thinking about it. <laughs> so if they are willing, to actually raise you $5,000 when you were literally a seed in the ground, they're special people. And you must acknowledge that. And they will always appreciate that. So when I had events in Connecticut or in DC, they had the best seats in the house. They were right in front. They were the first ones to get pictures with, with Dick Cheney or with George Bush or with the Senator Dole or with Newt Gingrich or whomever, they were the first ones in line because of that very special relationship I had with those folks. And you must do that. And then you, you expand it out, expand it out. You make, you may develop another tier of people in which you separate, you may call them your silver group. So your first 10 or 15 could be your, your gold group and your next 25 could be your silver group, et cetera. And you make them somewhat special as well because the more people you have as part of your finance committee it makes your fundraising a lot easier so when we would have a special guest coming to connecticut if i have 25 people on my finance committee 
I asked each one of them to, 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 to buy a table, $100 a piece, 10 people at a table. And it's, no, it's not a hard lift because they would go and find nine other people or eight other people because they would go with their spouse or friend or whatever. And all of a sudden, I would have 250 people already set to be at the event. And I would have $25,000 right in the bank, just like that, right off the bat. Ideally, some people on the finance committee are going to do more than you ask. You ask them to do one table, they may do three. They may do four. Because they know that by the more that they do, the more, you know, I'm going to maybe put them in even a special, more special category. Or they feel like they can do it. They may be wealthy enough to buy a bunch of tables and, and or know a bunch of people that are wealthy and, and get six, seven tables. And that's how you fill a room. And that's how you start raising money. Now, that is only one way of raising money of several ways, which we're going to talk about the other ways at another time. But when you're running for city council and you're running for state rep, it's the best way to get started. You don't necessarily have to be talking to wealthy people. You have to be talking to people who know people who can afford to put down $100, $200. I mean, you think about it. If you, if you ask someone to give $500 over the next six, nine months, they could probably do that. Or over the next 10 months or over the year, they could probably do that. Yeah, 50 bucks yeah. a month. Yeah, they can do that. But if you ask someone to do a two, you know, $2,000 or 500, then you, then you lose people. Yeah, so you lose people like that. But you don't need to do that. You need to just raise a certain amount and realizing that every person that gives you a check can be another branch of your tree. And that person you can go to and say, boy, you gave $200. You know, would you like to, um, be on my such and such a group. You want to not call it finance committee, but you may call it something else. And uh, which, what's the responsibility there? Oh, just raise a couple of thousand dollars. You know, that's all. Maybe a couple of copies or whatever. You know, oh, I can do that. Okay. And every time you you have a function based on someone leading you to to them, and then they can lead you to other people, which leads you to other people, which leads you, and you, all of a sudden you got a lot of branches on the tree. And that's that's one of the key ways of, of raising uh, a sizable amount of money quickly because keep in mind you got to be out there talking to the people and getting votes so but you do need the money as well following three terms on the city council and three terms in congress former congressman gary franks's consulting firm has helped scores of companies large fortune 500 firms small businesses and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. That's the whole process. Everybody's bringing in people the same way. And the more you can do that, and plus, as you're doing that, you're actually developing your own little organization. You're actually developing people 
for when you make your announcement for running for office because they're going to be so used to going to some of these events that you've, you've dragged them to that this is an event that they'll be going to because of you and it's for you. So they really feel more invested in going. And so it does all help each other. And if you are able to produce people, money, or votes, you got people's attention. Uh, what was the um, biggest event or the most important event that you were a part of you know, while you were running? Well, when I had the, uh, the president of the United States in, in, um, in Waterbury, it was, it was unprecedented because he um, came in for someone who was not an incumbent, uh, someone who was um, a, a city councilman at the time. And the way that all happened, Gary, was because the, the New York Times, of all papers, decided to uh, trail me for about a week. And they interviewed people and they wrote this very flattering uh, two-page story with about five or six pictures on the front page of the Metro section. And the title of it was, Can a Black uh, Republican Win in, in Connecticut? Can a conservative win in liberal Connecticut? Can a black win in a 92% white district? And the people in Washington, D.C. saw it. And I got a call from the White House. And it was uh, the strangest thing. They called and said, they called on a Thursday. And they said, well, here's what we like to do. And I said, why? I said, well, we'd like to help you. And they said, you know, you have a lot in common with the president. And I said, well, okay. And they said, well, you know, you both went to Yale. Yep. You both uh, were in Farnham. Yep. You both were in Davenport College. Yep. You both were captain of athletic teams. Yep. You both were associated with organizations there. Yep. And uh, we would like to come and help. And so I said, okay, great. And they said, here's what we'd like for you to do. And I said, what? They said, on Monday, we'd like for you to announce that Barbara Bush is coming in to do a fundraiser for you on Tuesday. Now, this conversation is taking place on Thursday before. I said, oh, okay, okay. Uh, and, and guess what? On Wednesday, we're going to ask you to announce that the president's coming in to do a fundraiser for you on Thursday. I said, well, I, 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 they said, don't worry about it. The room will be full. You won't know a person in the room, and you'll raise a lot of money. Can you do that? And I said, I, I, I guess I could do that. And sure enough, Gary, that was an event. I didn't have to do anything. They just took care of it. The state party came in. The national party came in. The room was absolutely packed for both events. The event, the event with Barbara Bush is in my book, Searching for the Promised Land. And it was in Newtown, Connecticut. And the event for President, President um, Bush was held in Waterbury. And what happened was my name ID was 23% going into that week. We dominated the news on Monday because it was the lead story in Connecticut news that Barbara Bush was coming in to do a fundraiser for me on Tuesday. We were the lead story in Connecticut on Tuesday because they had footage, video of Barbara Bush campaigning with me on Tuesday. We were the lead story on Wednesday on all the TV stations because I announced that President Bush was coming in to do an event for me on Thursday. So we were to leave then on Thursday because they had footage of, of George Bush campaigning with me. So my name ID went from 23% to 76%. In just four or five days, we netted well over a sizable sum of money and went on to um, win the race. And so that's atypical because I didn't do anything as far as, as getting the crowds there. The National Party called the network that, that President Bush had in Connecticut. And keep in mind, the Bush family was from Connecticut. 
keep in mind that um, the Bush, in other words, President Bush's brother lived in Connecticut. President Bush's sister lived in Connecticut. His aunt and his mother all lived in Connecticut. And so it was easy for Bush to, to, to be able, in his organization, to be able to help me raise a sizable amount of money and pack the room. And it was in their best interest not to have the room empty because that would have been an embarrassment to President Bush. <laughs> so they just did that and they did it in, in a short period of time. That's not normal, okay? That is not normal. But that what that that really did launch my my uh, campaign and gave me a great deal of legitimacy in the eyes of, of not only my fellow Republicans in Connecticut, but also uh, everyone, all the voters in the fifth district and throughout Connecticut. Don't forget to subscribe.